0: Good morning, my name is Joe, my pronouns are he and him. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Greetings to those on Zoom as well. 20 years ago, I got this tattoo on my arm, right here. Got it while I was in seminary in Vancouver where I was learning about the Trinity and the idea that some early Christian theologians called the perichoresis, the circle dance. The perichoresis was the theological term used to describe the relationship of the Trinity, creator, Christ, and spirit in an intimate dance that somehow maintained the individuality of the three persons and also the unity of the whole. And into that Trinitarian dance is woven the circle of creation, the cosmos, draw the circle wide indeed. That was one of the big revelations of my seminary education. That God is not somewhere far off, but right here, dancing all around us, inviting us to join in the dance. That's a pretty powerful metaphor for a 20-something kid, farm kid, far from home, big city, Vancouver, living there, enjoying the mountains and the ocean, all the beautiful scenery, falling in love, experiencing the world. I had no idea how to dance, of course but I was thrilled to get the invitation to join in the circle. So I got the tattoo, marked myself with this truth of perichoresis and it's been with me for 20 years, holding that truth that God is not far away, right there on my shoulder. I still like the tattoo, I still like the idea of perichoresis, but the longer I'm alive, the more I'm learning that the truth goes even deeper than I had ever imagined. In every beginning is the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word is God. The Word is in the beginning with God. All things come into being through the Word, and without the Word, not one thing comes into being. The prologue to the, beginning of, to the Gospel of John, which we'll be exploring for the next couple of months, I'm picking up the series that we went through last winter and spring on the four gospels. We're drawing mainly from the book Heart and Mind, The Four Gospel Journey for Radical Transformation by Alexander Shia. And this is the beginning of a new stage on that four gospel journey. The word in Greek is logos, as many of you know, a technical word of Greek philosophy. It's the logic, the reason, the main idea, the conclusion, the report the capital t truth is probably the closest thing in modern usage maybe the ultimate truth the meta narrative the ultimate reality there is a truth that has always been from the very beginning that truth was with god and that truth was god now the writer of john didn't come up with this idea of logos on his own Very briefly, a Jewish philosopher named Philo of Alexandria combined a Jewish understanding of creator God with the Greek concept of forms, these abstract ideals. And Philo wondered how the creator God, a holy spiritual being, could craft this lowly material world. He reasoned that there had to be a bridge to make the idea, the ideal form, into a hard copy reality. And that bridge, the design was logos. For Philo, Logos was a being, the offspring of God, the artist who carried out the creative work that God had commissioned. Around the same time, the Apostle Paul and his followers were crafting a new theology of Jesus using the Jewish language of the Christ, the Anointed One. Christ is the image of the unseen God and the firstborn of all creation. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. Before anything was created, Christ existed, and all things hold together in Christ. There's a whole lot going on there, but for today, I'll just say that this explanation of Christ is building on the Jewish idea of Messiah. The Messiah was understood to be the one who would bring about God's salvation at the end of the story. And here, Paul is affirming what the prophets said, that Messiah is not only a person in the future, but a savior that is active in all times, past, present, future, from the very beginning. God is always bringing salvation and redemption, and Messiah is the redeemer all the time. So the Greek notion of logos and Paul's teachings about Christ were out there already, and John is pulling them both together, Jew, Gentile, and Christian, and saying, yes, yes. This is the logos in the beginning. This is the Christ who brings all things into being. And John goes one step further. This logos, this Christ is God. Greek philosophy said that the material world was flawed and separate from the spiritual world, the material world down here, the spiritual world up here of perfection. The logos was that in between, the pencil in the hand of the artist. Then Hebrew tradition said that creator, God, was sacred and therefore separate from the mundane, profane creation. And Messiah, Christ, was the go-between, the savior bringing the world into right relationship with God. And John said, yes, but it's actually more than that. God is the Logos. God is Christ. The go-between is actually God already. In the metaphor of my tattoo, God isn't just inviting us into the dance God is the dance. In every beginning is the dance, and the dance is with God, and the dance is God. Okay, I am probably a whole lot more excited than most of you are at this point. Stay with me, I promise that I will explain why this matters. What comes into being in the word is life, and this life is the radiance of all people, of all creation, the radiance shines in the darkness, and the darkness shines in the radiance, and neither overcomes the other. Some of you have noticed that this translation from Alexander Shia is rather different from what you will find in most translations. To spare us from another deep dive into ancient Greek language and philosophy, let's try an object lesson. Rick, if you could turn the lights out, please. not going to get very dark don't worry. <laughs> John says that the light shines in the darkness not that one that's true obviously we can see it's getting darker the light continues to shine even with the electric lights off the light will still shine in obviously we could close the blinds if we can make it pretty dark in here remember a couple of seasons ago we had a lint where we put curtains all around everything and it it got dark in here but never completely dark because the light radiates the light penetrates the darkness and that is what john is describing the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not grasp it that's the greek word there kataleben kataleben often translated as overcome and it means to hold to hold against to grasp so i can put my hand around the flame here to block the candlelight. If I wanted to, I could completely close my hand around it and suffocate the flame. I can do that, but darkness cannot do that. The darkness surrounds the light, but it can't grasp it. It can't put it out. Greek philosophy emphasized the division. Light is good, darkness is bad, and all that stuff I was talking before about forms and logos, that was about separation, dividing between the light and the dark, between the spiritual realm and the material world. But here John is saying the light of the spiritual world, it cannot be contained. The light radiates. You can't actually separate light from darkness. Alexander Shia points out that in Aramaic culture, um, which is where the writer of John would have come from, there are distinct words for the different parts of the night and the day. And those words paint a particular picture of that time, shaded by the balance between light and dark. No segment is either wholly dark or wholly light. Each night word contains an aspect of light and every day word contains darkness and shadow. A sense of wholeness is implicit in all of the descriptions. And so in the natural world, just as the darkness can't extinguish the light, neither can the light completely eradicate the darkness. So the light radiates in the darkness and the darkness cannot contain it. And what the text doesn't say directly but what Shia thinks is implied from that context, the reverse is also true. The radiance shines in the darkness and the darkness shines in the radiance and neither overcomes the other. My candle, I can move that around, make the darkness go away in one area, but the darkness always follows it. And then moving the light creates shadows. Maybe shines isn't the right word for darkness, but moving the light closer also highlights the shadows and it makes them pop. True value, true beauty come in the interplay between the two, the light and the darkness contrasting with each other. You artists and photographers know that for sure. So the goodness is not in the one or the other. The goodness is both together. Rick, you can get the lights back on, please. That is the word, the Christ, the truth of God, the shift from either or to both and. From the beginning there was light and darkness, evening and morning, and God saw that the whole was good. Another metaphor for this truth comes from Bree Stoner on the podcast, Another Name for Everything. In one episode, the podcast hosts were talking about how connected everything is in the natural world, the circle of life, that kind of thing. And Bree recalled reading this book about all the different kinds of bacteria that are living in our guts, in our intestinal tract. Probiotics, those are good bacteria and yeast, literally fungi, living inside of us. Helping us to break down our food, helping with all that digestive work of turning nutrients into energy. So all these organisms are living inside of me. These bacteria are not me. They are individuals with their own drives and needs that are separate from mine. They're living their own lives, not controlling them at all. And yet what they're doing, their lives are intimately connected to mine. Bree Stoner says that, as she's reading about this, realizing that the foods I was eating was impacting them, and that they were impacting my cravings, and that impacts your brain function, your hormones, and it's just all interconnected. I'm a community. I am a we. There is no I. That's what it means to have a body, to be a community in a very real sense. I'm an individual organism living my own life, but also hosting, collaborating with a community of smaller organisms doing their own thing. And that whole body is at the same time participating in a larger community, which could also be described as an organism, a collective, even a body, Mother Earth. I am a community, and I am an insignificant part of a larger organism. I see the parallel to that in John's poem. The word is in matter, and matter comes into being through the word, yet matter does not know the word. The word is with us, and we do not accept the word. The Greek here is cosmos. John uses that word often, and it's usually translated as the world in English. Shia points out that cosmos is about physicality. It's earthy. It's fleshy. It's matter. Matter comes into being through the larger reality, but it doesn't know about the larger reality. How could it? It's matter. It's like the bacteria in my gut, totally unaware that it's part of me, and yet the reality is still with it, even if the matter can't grasp the larger truth. The first Christians didn't have our understanding of bacteriology and matter, but they still used that metaphor, the body of Christ. A thing can exist as its own self, an ear or an eye, and also in service to the greater whole, the larger body. So I am, A community and I am also basically bacteria existing in the larger body of Christ I'm an individual my life my will my freedoms those things matter and I am alive in the context of this Christ that is so much more than little old me so logos and Christ light and darkness The community that is me and the community of which I am a small part. Imperfect metaphors, for sure, but I hope you can see what John is leading us towards. The distinctions that we make, the divisions between me and you, between sacred and secular, even between life and death, those distinctions are illusions, or at least they're not the whole story. The whole story, the truth, the word, the ultimate reality is the unity of all things. One cosmos, one unified field, one dance. That is the Christ. So I promised that I would make it clear why this matters. This matters in my experience because yes and is the path to joy. As Alexander Shia describes it, the first leg of life's journey is about hearing the call, responding to the challenge, climbing the mountain that we find in front of us. Richard Rohr calls this the order stage. The task of figuring out how things work and how I fit in to how things work. We saw this in the Gospel of Matthew. How things work is often the opposite of how I want them to work. And this path for Christ followers is about learning to walk the upside down way of Jesus. And that means being honest about the changes that need to happen that this path requires of us. And then comes the second path, the storm. From Alexander Shaya, on the second path, we encounter the chaos and emptiness of being in between. The old is gone, but the new has not yet come. We find ourselves in the darkest dark, the dead of winter, where it is hard to perceive any growth. Unable to see the life as work at work deep within the seeds beneath the ground. We wonder if something has gone horribly wrong. That's the gospel of Mark. Jesus' followers thought that he would lead them up the mountain to glory, to salvation, or at least to safety. But no, they were misunderstood. They were abused. They were left to their own devices in the storm. That's how it felt. Disorder in Rohr's model. You have everything figured out. You do all the right things, at least to the best of your ability, and you still lose. You still hurt. You still die. Remember the ending to Mark's gospel? Terror and shock had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Jesus had said they would never be alone, but where is he at the end? And that's when they turned the page And arrived at the Gospel of John. In every beginning is the Christ, and the Christ is with God, and the Christ is God. Where is Jesus? Everywhere in all of this. Not going back to the first path, that order has also revealed its limits. Not taking away the pain of the second path, that disorientation, disorder is part of the deal. That's part of human experience. But here, Having gone through those, right where you are, where you find yourself as you are, God is here. That's the stage of reorder. Now that you've given up trying to fix everything, to fit it into the way that you want it to be, now that you've accepted the limitations around and within you, now you're ready to learn the order that exists beyond your control and understanding, the order of letting things be what they already are not in a perfection kind of way, but in an accepting and embracing kind of way. As Bree Stoner puts it, that somehow the outpouring of our lives, the outpouring of everything that happens is woven into this remaking of something bigger, something good that takes an eternity perhaps to manifest. That is the path to joy. I can't teach that to you let alone convince you that or prove that it is true. We all have to discover this for ourselves in our own time. And that's my closing word of encouragement. If I'm not making any sense to you this morning, if you don't get these metaphors, even if you think that I'm way off base with my interpretation, that's okay. John didn't get to this place of writing his gospel until 40 years after Jesus had gone. This was the last gospel written, and in many ways, the most complex. You might not be there yet. You might have gone through it and be somewhere else now. We're not all at the same place and these patterns repeat. This journey takes patience. I've had that tattoo on my arm for 20 years and I'm still working it out. It grows on you and you grow into it. And for all of that ancient philosophy and Greek vocabulary that I've been throwing around today, this is not an intellectual journey. John didn't think his way to this place. He got there by following Jesus, this person, by walking beside his friend that he loved. And that's where John ends his introduction. That's where he lands, not with a call to study hard and work harder, but an invitation, to come and meet Jesus. The word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory firsthand, the glory direct from his creator, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. It is God incarnate, the heart of the creator who has made God known. Come and see.